It's a good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Hey, Katagita, all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. The Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Uh, I didn't quite hear that. Uh, I think you were muted. <laughs> what could you say that? Am again? I really? Yeah, you aren't now. Okay. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Awesome. Hey, we have Dr. Stately on uh, today, and we also have our special opening here from the governor of the great state of Wisconsin, Governor Evers. Why don't we take a quick listen? Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. Last week, I signed the 2023-25 biennial budget the legislature sent to my desk while using my veto pen to make substantial improvements and investments in K-12 education. Building on our historic progress and fully funding our public schools, this budget, together with legislation I recently signed, provide an overall increase of nearly $1.2 billion in spendable authority for our public school districts, including state categorical aids. That includes a $325 per pupil increase in revenue limits and an increase in the low revenue ceiling from $10,000 to $11,000 per pupil. This is the largest increase in statewide revenue limit authority since revenue limits were first imposed on K-12 schools in 1993, and it is permanent and base building. As a result of my partial veto to this provision, School districts will have continued additive per pupil revenue adjustments of $325 every year for the next 400 years, providing local schools the budgeting certainty they need well into the future. I'm also proud this budget invests $97 million to increase special education reimbursement rates, $50 million to improve reading and literacy outcomes, and $30 million to continue funding for school-based mental health for our kids. This budget is an important step towards meeting our ultimate goals for our schools and our kids, but we can and should do more. We must continue our work to prioritize school funding during this biennium and into the future. We have work left to do, but I will never stop fighting to do the right thing for our kids because what's best for our kids is what's best for our state. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Hey, Pini Gigi, uh, Governor, uh, always great news, and uh, welcome Dr. Stately. Dr. Stately is uh, the CEO of Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, on the beautiful Franklin Avenue, and uh, it's uh, amazing what uh, the governor did there uh, <laughs> with education for the next 400 years, uh, uh, just a little editing with the pen and outsmarting his opponents, so I just have to give the governor of uh, Wisconsin 
a big uh, a big kudos there. Welcome, Dr. Stately. We haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while. A couple weeks, I think, probably. Took a little hiatus for, um, oh, yeah, that one day in July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. In be, uh, the day before uh, big swearing ins at Ho Chunk Nation, we have a new president and a couple new legislators. So nice. that was exciting the day after. And I like that shirt. I'm going to have to borrow that. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a new shirt. It's very right. large. It says, I didn't realize how big the graphic was. It takes up my whole entire chest. <clears throat> That's right. So, yeah. Lip big to be big. But it's true. I we, are, we, we are now native land. So yes, for sure. Yes, we are. And uh, we we joke about the the last ho- last holiday that we were off the fourth. But hey, I just want to before we we get into that, I just want to congratulate you. I saw that you uh, got another blanket added to your uh, collection, and uh, people were honoring <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> yes, true. And uh, I can't wait sure, to go to yeah, garage yeah. sales and pick one of those blankets up that you have, uh, all those blankets that people have given <laughs> you over the years. But no, uh, maybe just no. tell our audience, too, in all seriousness, the significance of that and uh, what we were celebrating. Um, sure. Well, I was um, delighted to be honored um, for um, I think the achievement was... Um, the awards are on here somewhere. I should probably look at it. Um, <clears throat> still in the box, actually. <laughs> um, I was honored by um, uh, the staff and some of the board for um, Seven Directions, which is a research, um, indigenous research center at the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, it's focused on um, uh, indigenous um, public health. And I believe the award was the inaugural award. So this is their first year having this conference. And that was the first time they're giving the award. It was for, um, uh, oh, uh, uh, community service in public health. So a recognition of like the work that NAC has done um, in um, the public health space, specifically in response to um, COVID, but also in response um, broadly to the other public health emergencies that are kind of inherent right now in our community are like got a grip on our community, which is, um, uh, you know, that trifecta of um, substance abuse, opioid use disorder, um, infectious disease, HIV and hepatitis C and houselessness, kind of like the intersection of like where ORNAC does its work. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, pretty well, honored I, to get that. It was nice. All, all seriousness, uh, congratulations. I saw that and I was like really proud to be your friend and know you. And um, uh, oh, just, you. Uh, we have a, a lot of white allies and uh, listening to us. Give, give the significance of not only the award, but uh, a blanket given to somebody. And I know there's different ways of doing that. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's kind of a, a cool little thing to talk about. Yeah, well, honestly, it was like the first time I've given, I've been given a star quilt or a blanket. <clears throat> so I got a star quilt actually um, on that Tuesday morning for giving a talk. Um, I gave the keynote address on the opening conference day um, about um, culturally centered, like the the journey that NAC has taken to culturally center um, its traditional healing program and its um, spiritual care services within. Um, our medical clinic and our primary care clinic. So across 
all of our service sectors and building our traditional healing program, which um, I'm pretty proud of. <clears throat> but um, the significance of getting a blanket is, um, you know, it's a, it's a way that um, community sort of demonstrates its uh, um, gratitude and its, um, um, you know, uh, support to you for the work that you do. I think it's also a recognition of, um, you know, a contribution that you've made to the community and, and just kind of a big thank you. Um, and yeah. Yeah, congratulations. It was, a hum, it was a humbling experience. I didn't expect to get it. So I could see that in the picture, right. you were really uh, happy and surprised. It was a it was a good look for you. The person that uh, took that picture really caught the moment. And uh, again, I'm really uh, grateful to be your friend. And um, and uh, that's just uh, good to see people like you getting you. Um, your work recognized and, and in the community and also with what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I think what was beautiful about the conference was it was a national conference and it was right, held right here um, in uh, the South Metropolitan area um, at the Shakopee Midwaukee Sioux community. Um, uh, and it was just, you know, it, it is a, a national conference where they pull together um, a number of places that do public health service in tribal communities. And it was just kind of nice to be among all these people from all across Turtle Island and to be able to speak with them and also sort of be in their um, in their influence as well. So, great experience. Hey, why don't we take a quick break here? We're with Dr. Stately here, the President and Executive Officer of Native American Community Clinic, and we're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Even though the public COVID-19 emergency might be over, it's still important to stay up to date on vaccinations. And if you're like most people, you probably need a refresher on who should get vaccinated and when. So here's the bottom line. If you're six years or older, aim for that one updated COVID-19 vaccine. It doesn't matter if you've had a previous vaccine or not, you're still in the game. Now, if you're 65 or older, you've got the green light for one extra dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Just wait four months after your first updated dose and you're good to go. And for the little ones, children between six months and five years may need multiple doses, including at least one of the updated vaccines based on their age and previous doses. Remember, always stay informed and reach out to healthcare professionals for personalized guidance. Didn't catch all of that? You can find all of the updated COVID vaccine information at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. And we're here with the CEO and president uh, of Native American Community Clinic, uh, Dr. Stately. And Dr. Stately, uh, a great again to have you on. Uh, it's been a while. And I really, uh, I think the last show we did uh, was pretty emotional for me and um it was a it was a good talk and uh, uh, just about things and I appreciate that I wanted to, I wanted to say that and uh, 
Uh, so you have a lot to live up to this uh, show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. My God. The dog agrees. Uh, and uh, I know my cat agrees and she'll be in here soon. Oh, my dog agrees too. Uh, so we're having a, a barking party and a meowing party here on Native party, Roots yeah. Radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's coming in early. He thought it was his time to howl. Yeah. Tell him that's the part. Yeah, exactly. Wrong segment. There's a a very um, ambitious um, guy exercising and jumping up and down and doing calisthenics. So I don't think think he knows what to do about that. Hold on, Mike. All right. Well, hey, Haley, that gives us kind of opportunity to talk about what's happening at All My Relations uh, uh, this week. And now my dog's barking. I'm wondering if you could take it over here for a second while I let the dog out of the uh, studio here. Yes. So uh, All My Relations Arts is having their new exhibit, I want to say. Uh, I don't want to butcher this pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure it is Inde Wasangadam, which means my heart hurts. Um, and this is happening uh, from July 14th to September 9th. And uh, the Native American Community Development Institute, which also we talk about a lot on here, uh, NACDI and All My Relationships all my relations arts um, are pleased to present this solo show by Laura Youngbird. Uh, my Heart Hurts is a collection of multi-layered, multi-faced monotype prints from artist Laura Youngbird, who is Minnesota Chippewa Grand Portage Band. And uh, she uses uh, her dresses as a metaphor. Uh, her work addresses a wide range of social issues, injustices, and biases. Yeah, that's exciting. And the grand opening is this Friday. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be out of town. Uh, We'll be in New York, Wendy and I, and uh, taking a little break and maybe having a uh, celebrating our anniversary again, Uh, maybe catch a play or something in the city. But um, it's well worth everyone. Excuse me a second here. I had to clear my throat. Uh, it's well worth everyone to stop at All My Relations, which is hooked up to uh, the powwow grounds there and get a cup of coffee and, and go to this great event. And uh, we got Dr. Stately back. Uh, and uh, Dr. Stately was really funny. I don't know how this happened, but uh, my dog started barking at the same time. So I had to hand it over to Haley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe my dog triggered your dog. So, Sacred know. dogs are Probably speaking say, like, over. Yeah, exactly. Over uh, they Facebook, they were part of a three-part harmony or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course, they won't haul when we want them to. Of course, <laughs> no, they, they won't haul when when <laughs> we want want them to, Doctor Stately. Yeah, not on cue, which is really tragic <laughs> he does have a good howl. My sons get him to howl. Yeah. My sons will like. My sons will be like, start him, start howling at them, and then pretty soon all three of them are howling together, and he. He has a, this like thing where he can he can howl and can go for like a really long time. So that's <clears throat> what they try to do is they try to see which one of them can make him howl the longest. That's a, 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 a talent not everybody yeah. has. <laughs> no, and it's like you know it's like if they're dog whispers. Yeah, but um, you know, I was like I was watching them the other day when they were doing that. And I was like thinking. 
these are the kinds of things that I did when I was a kid. Um, like, you know, just a kid in the South side with no game system, no um, Facebook, no, not a whole lot of other things. Like, what do you do to entertain yourself? Get your dogs to howl and have a contest. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think when I was young, I was addicted to ant hills. I was one of those troubled children just staring at an oh, ant hill, and, yeah. and you know, kind of pretending I'm lording over this ant hill, and I was the, you know, the the higher power of them. And well, that's a whole nother story and another, oh, wow. another show, and maybe so another funny. another uh, session. I have to that's talk. Like, <laughs> that's like foreshadowing, isn't it? That's what they yeah. call that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, and Wendy and I, and I've done the show for many years and I, I just have to say this, Wendy always gives me good prompts when it comes to let Dr. Stately talk about what he wants to talk about. So I'm going to give you the floor here for a few minutes and if things slow down a little bit, I'll jump in. But what would you like to talk about today? I mean, we're, we're running COVID ads here again and it's not away. It's not gone, but we uh, want to keep our uh, people safe and we also want to remind them that it's still around sure. a little bit. I was just thinking about that in part because I was contacted by some books. They want me to do some work with COVID um not not COVID, you know, specifically, but like COVID and the things that are kind of surrounding COVID. And I think one of the things that's great coming off the conversation about the public health um, uh, conversation, the award I got, but I think the other piece to it is so is that, you know, <clears throat> we have, um, we have many more issues in our community than just COVID. COVID is just something that sort of like, I guess what I was, what I, what, when I talk about it, I think like we have so many health concerns and health issues that we're dealing with in our community that when COVID sort of kind of showed up, it what it did was it sort of like drew our attention away because of the magnitude of it, right? From this other stuff that was going on, like, you know, substance use, houselessness. Mm -hmm. right? Some of that didn't go away because we, we had to figure out how to, keep those people safe and, 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 and well and get them services and support in the context of COVID. But COVID made just the work of everybody harder. And so one of the things I was talking with about this producer um, who um, we're gonna do a show on something related to that, um, where I was talking about how I have, here we are, we're three, or three and a half years to kind of depending on the demarcation point that you also depict um you know um uh post covid you know in the, in the first time that it sort of kind of showed up and and life is life is a little bit different today than it was in 2020 and i think about like you know i'm i got sick and ended up in the hospital on, in november of 2020 um during um thanksgiving week and we're coming up on that anniversary right or that you know that that three-year you know um uh mark and i think about like how much has happened and transpired in my work and in my personal life um all of the um people who have sort of come into my life all the people who have left my life because of the impacts mm -hmm. of of covid and um um, opioid overdoses and other forms of um, 
uh, uh, of conditions that have caused people to die too young. We, we, we had ma many, many people die much sooner than their time because of this pandemic and its impact. And I was just reminded that I was reading this article a couple um, months ago about how, you know, for the first time in since the 1950s, um, the United States is actually on a downward trend in terms of life expectancy, writ large for the entire country, right? Mm. Um, and 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 that has some real that has some real economic consequences, and that was the the, the point of the uh, of the article. But then I was thinking about all the loss that we had in our own community, um, the people that the, that the people in my own personal life that are no longer here because they passed during that period of time during COVID over the last couple of years. They might not have passed because of COVID. Maybe they passed, like my cousin Roxanne passed away um, and from uh, her liver cancer came back. It came back probably during the time of COVID when we weren't really going back to the doctor. We weren't getting our annual checkups. We weren't looking at like these chronic conditions and those kinds of concerns. And um, you know, when her cancer came back, it was it came back with a vengeance, and she she died within seven days or so wow. of going to see the doctor and finding that out, right? And so that that as I was thinking back, like how much has different. I also think about like the way I show up in the public space, right? I forget that you know, not forget, but it's not it's not at the forefront of my mind as much. Um, you know, um, uh, clarity and, a, and criticalness that, that, that I need to like wear a mask in certain spaces and things like that. There's, but I, I, I'll take social cues and triggers from, from the environment to remind me. Like recently I went to an event and I didn't have a mask with me. And, um, and then I looked around, there were several people wearing masks and I was like, oh, I should wear a mask in this situation. Right? So I, I went I went and asked for one and got it and put it on my face. Right? Um, there's we just behave, we behave so differently. We behave so differently now, um, three years in than we did two or three years ago when we were at the moment of crisis. We kind of be, have become hap, um, habituated to it in some ways. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately, and we're talking uh, a little history here in the last uh, three years of COVID, and just having a great conversation. Uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we'll be back after this short break. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. 
the good stuff. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let let howl. howl. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Seward Co-op is now offering convenient, self-serve, and prepackaged hot options and salad bars at both the Franklin and Friendship stores. Breakfast items available daily until 11 a.m. and brunch served all day every Sunday. Their weekly lunch and dinner menus highlight cuisines from around the world. They offer vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options daily. 95% of the ingredients used are organic from small-scale, local community food producers whenever possible. More at Seward.coop. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job if they have dependable transportation. A car plus a job equals a life changed. 612-919-5526. We have families waiting for a car. 919-5526 or autotech.org. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies tonight with a low around 61. Thursday, a chance for thunderstorms with a high near 64. And Friday, sunny with a high near 83. With craft spirits, mouth-watering entrees, and plenty of free parking, 30 Bales and Hopkins is the perfect place to relax and enjoy the best of Midwestern cuisine. Some of the favorites include the devilish eggs, beet salad, short rib, pot pie, and decadent burgers. Located at 1106 Main Street in Hopkins, more at 30bales.com. Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, I do, and I love that tagline, fighting for climate justice. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately and uh, kind of our weekly uh, fireside chat, minus the fire and the side, and, but uh, we are chatting here. And uh, Dr. Stately, uh, I, let's uh, continue what you were talking about there, because I think... 
me as uh, my my regular job has really been in the last few months uh, really focusing on the things that we weren't focusing on that are kind of out of control right now with our mm-hmm. op- opiate and homeless things that you were touching on and the mental health and uh Boy, our students are far behind too, and it's it's just uh, I, I had no idea um, uh, that was going to happen. Not your phone ringing, but the other stuff. <laughs> well, that that too. No one ever calls me, um, and unless I'm on in the middle of something. Um, yeah, exactly. I um. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that these are certainly things I, I experienced myself, but I do even know that, um, you know, I have colleagues of mine who are instructors and teachers, parents I talk to, of my own friends. Um, uh, um, I, um, I, um, you know, I, I hear the same story, very or very similar stories among many of them quite often, which is like, you know, my kid really struggled in school. My kids are struggling with um, depression, um, the impact of isolation from having to not have social time with people. I think even my own, I, um, I think about how my own children, I was talking with somebody about this the other day, I forget what context we were in, how they were asking me about like, you know, I hadn't seen them in a few years. And I'm like, how old are your kids? And I said, they're 16 now. They're going into junior high and our, in the junior year of high school next year. And they were like, oh, well, how have they been? Because we haven't seen them. I said, well, you know, the, the, the transition, because I think the last time I had seen them, they were like in fifth grade or just had gone into sixth grade and started their first year of middle school. And I said, um, we're talking about our kids' experiences of middle school and that transition and transition to high school. And then it dawned on me, like, with the timing of COVID, my kids had, COVID started in the, at the end of their first year of seventh grade. I mean, the first quarter of seventh grade. So they had had, they had just moved from the year prior, they had just transitioned into middle school, which was a transition in and of itself, just trying to navigate that space, going from a smaller school, like a feeder schools into like, you know, um, a big elementary where all of a sudden there's like five times the number of people that are in your school than you used to have to navigate and having to navigate that social social situation, which can be challenging for Native people, um, uh, even if, um, even if um, they don't have um, prior, prior to COVID. But then you have like how challenging it was to sort of do that, then go be out of school for a year and a half do distance learning completely which was so challenging for my for my children um you know um challenging for my children and quite honestly challenging for me i thought i would lose my mind as a parent trying to manage their capacity to be able to get on their zoom stay engaged complete their homework you know um and um and that got even more problematic when they um because they went they went into high school, their first year of high school was the first year the pandemic sort of like was finally under control and they could go back in person. But by then they had done a year and a half of, um, of um, middle school all at home. So they had forgotten like how to go to class, find the classroom, actually 
you know, walk to the classrooms, move around, navigate that space, navigate relationships, and all these other challenges. And here they are in their first year of high school last year and trying to figure that all out in yet even a bigger school because uh, there's only one high school in Prior Lake. And then they have like, I think it's the second largest high school in the state. Mm. So there, they were like, you know, it was challenging for them, it was challenging for me. And I just realized like, you know, the last two years of that process has been just, you know, it, has, it, it certainly stretched the boundaries of our relationship as parent and child, right? There were moments where I was just like, you know, thank God I'm a child psychologist because I could have like, you know, um, showed up in that space differently, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just was like, and finally one day I sat down with them not too long ago and I just had a heart to heart with them. I was like, look, I need you to, you are young men, you're 16 years old, Technically, you're two years away from being being adults. I need you to sort of like step up, take on a little bit more responsibility, and start sort of like challenging yourself to do things that are that have habitually become harder for you to do because of this the impact of all the things around us. Yes, mm-hmm. it's scary. I know it's scary that you um, like a big issue for us is driving. They don't want to drive. They want to get their license. They're scared, they're a little anxious and ambivalent, right? Seen a proliferation of carjackings and all those other things during the pandemic. So they're anxious, right? But I had to just have this conversation with them about, okay, what can we do to sort of mitigate some of that? Because I do need you to step up and become a little bit more independent. I can't drive you back and forth to school and drive around the state delivering you to hockey games and do my job and also be a dad and also do all these other things that I do. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's challenging. It, it has definitely been challenging for our kids, but it's been challenging for our parents in different ways as well. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only parent that had that had that experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were talking about seventh grade to being a junior, but just think about that. The sixth graders mm-hmm. haven't had a, a regular year until they were, since they were in third grade and on and on and on and mm-hmm. on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just how like how like a lot of things that we don't think about that are important is that socialization that happens in school. Like you learn so much about like how to be a good relative, how to show up, how to how to navigate space, how to resolve conflict and differences. You do that through interaction, through social interaction, spending time and space with people. Right. And with the guidance of hopefully, you know, good mentors. Right. Right. Um, That's how you learn that. And so, like, if we haven't been in that space for a while um, and and we're in and we're in a critical moments of our development, I would say between the ages of 10 and 16 are really critical moments of of development. um, We miss a lot of things and, you know. And I also think it's important for us to say, like, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself because I have, I have expectations that I should be able to do certain things in a certain way because I'm like, you know, I'm a doctor and I'm this and I'm that and I'm this, I have this leadership role in our community and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I get a little bit hard on myself with my expectations. 
But I think probably every parent does that. Every parent, I think, feels naturally like I'm falling short, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a natural, I think, sort of like a feeling to have that. It's like, I could have done this better. I could be, you know. Um, and I think one of the things I want to say about that is that we have to be able to also cut ourselves some slack and recognize that like the work we were doing over the last few years as parents for kids who were in school or school age, or even just like trying to get them to like, trying to get them to take care of themselves and feel safe and to feel like, mm -hmm. you know, assured um, in a world that had, I mean, I think about like the things that my sons have seen over the last three years. Right. That I certainly saw a lot of it over my lifespan as a, as a young man growing up, but I didn't see the level of violence that happened as the, after George Floyd um, murder and the uprising that happened as a result of that. I remember seeing it on television mm -hmm. um, as a kid, and but I was it wasn't happening in my backyard. It wasn't happening all around me. Right. I didn't see the level of gun violence that's been happening in the in the last three or four years. The amount of um, you know just the and, the, and then the horror of the pandemic, right, of how frightening that was. I didn't have to be raised in my home as a child and, and, and watch my, my parent go off to the hospital and think that they weren't possibly coming back. Right. I only recently had that conversation with my kids, like, well, what did that feel like? Were you scared? Oh. Did you, like, you know? So those are, like, real things that impact people's mental well-being the relational style and all those things and you know we have to we all have to be you know a little bit more compassionate with one another and also self-compassion i have to give myself a little bit of a break for not yeah. being you know the best dad on the planet right well you know it's interesting too that you mentioned earlier about your son's worried about getting carjacked that is a thing and i have a really close relative yeah. i don't want to mention her name but she was carjacked and uh, there's a lot of trauma uh, all around that. There's uh, memories of the person that maybe was doing it because they were forced to, or they're in a gang, and uh, it, and they appear to be frightened. And so you have that, and you have a gun, and you know all these things. Is it a real gun? I forget that because I'm here, you know, hiding in my house half the time. That that's a thing, you know. <laughs> It is a thing. I think the other part of that is, is like so hard. I mean, I can't imagine, like, I don't remember my mom having conversations with me as a child about these kinds of things. Like, you know, be careful in these situations, be, be cautious here, you know, those kinds of things. I don't remember her saying things like, you got to be careful about doing saying, deciding this, this or this, because you could end up having, you know, with your life threatened. We weren't, having those conversations but i think about like how the scale of some of our social problems that, that are happening in our community sometimes can make us feel like it's completely unsafe out there so staying indoors staying away from people feels like right yeah well hey dr staley really appreciate you coming in it's great to see you Maybe I'll see you uh, uh, Thursday at uh, for uh, Sisters uh, Flea Market. It'd be great to see you and, and give you a big hug. And an Indian taco. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Hey, it was Dr. <laughs> Stately and uh, stopping in and doing this thing. Appreciate you uh, coming in today. 
Uh, this is Native Fritz Radio Presents, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Attention, Native American community. We've come a long way in our fight against COVID-19. The emergency declaration may be over, but our responsibility to stay vigilant remains. It is crucial to remember that the virus is still among us, and we must continue to prioritize our health and the well-being of our loved ones and elders. Besides getting vaccinated, let's not forget the basics when we're around people who are still vulnerable to COVID-19. Wear your mask, wash your hands regularly, and take an at-home COVID-19 test if you have any symptoms. We've shown incredible strength and resilience throughout history, and we will triumph over this challenge as well. Let's honor our ancestors by taking care of one another and keeping our communities safe. Together, let's navigate uncertain times with courage and unity. Stay informed, stay safe, and remember that our actions today will shape a brighter future for our Native community. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at spps.org careers. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Howl. Wow, that that uh, that uh, cat was my cat over here was howling. I, swear I know God. we were missing Wanda. <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, great to check in with Doctor Stately and um, listening from uh, the Governor Evers today uh, it was just really exciting so haley uh, you've been to four sisters market which is right next to all my relations gallery and uh the last show there was amazing with all that beadwork from the family uh the, the yeah. dresses the regalia um mm-hmm. the men's clothes uh the, the art on the wall with all those great uh uh beading and um you know the I want to say porcupine, but you know, all the needles that were in there, um, it was just beautiful. And now they're having a new opening, uh, this Friday grand opening. And, uh, maybe you can, uh, summarize what you read earlier today about that. Uh, and it's on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis and, uh, on the, the corridor, the native American corridor in Minneapolis on Franklin Avenue. And, uh, 
it's just worth coming by there, getting a cup of coffee, and go go in there and and uh, see this beautiful artwork that we have, that our native uh, f- uh, brothers and sisters are doing. Absolutely. So this new uh, art exhibit that uh, All My Relations Art is doing, presented by Nakti, is called Inde Wisagandam, which translates to My Heart Hurts. And this is a solo exhibition by Laura Youngbird. Uh, and this is going to be at All My Relations Arts the whole summer. I think this is going to be until September 9th is mm-hmm. going to, that'll be there until. Um, but All My Relationships Arts aims to foster connections between contemporary American Indian artists, preceding generations, diverse audiences, and the vitality of the American Indian cultural corridor. Laura Youngbird is a talented artist from Minnesota Chippewa Grand Portage Band, and she uses the dress as a metaphor to address social issues, injustices, and biases. Her mixed media work includes drawing, painting, and prints that explore the deep layers of meaning within a simple garment, such as a dress. Uh, You can mark your calendars and explore this profound beauty beauty and significance with Laura Youngbird's Inde Wasagadam, My Heart Hurts. Check out the opening reception this Friday, July 14th from 6 to 8 at All My Relationships Arts in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. I always like to say All My Relationships, but it's All My Relations. Just relations. (laughs) You're having flashbacks from uh, all the guys and you were dating in high school there oh yeah all the many 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 relationships (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too me too um but i know you've been there and uh and it's kind of a a hidden gem right there uh Haley. it is yeah i didn't know about that so you kind of have to walk into powwow grounds which is Um, the coffee shop yep which is the coffee shop off of franklin avenue there in the cultural corridor um, but yeah, definitely go check it out. I, the last exhibit moved me entirely. Mm. I just, yeah. I could have stood in there for hours reading everyone's stories about, um, their loved ones and their relatives and, and how they it's, were being honored through art. Yeah. Inspirational. Yeah. yeah very re- emotional and inspirational for sure. And uh, they have that uh, all the time. And I just want to say this too, before I forget, it's, you're driving down franklin avenue it's on i guess the north side of the street which would be the right side if you're heading um towards minneapolis and it's a big yellow building (laughs) which they painted Mm -hmm. a a few years ago so it's a and they have a nice beautiful mural on the side and it says powwow grounds but uh there's a little parking lot there and also parking on the street and and if you're like me a little sneaky across the street too in another parking lot um and uh, also, too, I want to mention this, and this is what I was kind of alluding to when I talked to Dr. Stately, was that um, the Four Sisters Market is tomorrow. And yes. uh, that's always good to hang out and see people. Um, they have uh, Dream of Wild Health, there, uh, Wild Heart, and they're uh, selling vegetables that are made in their garden. So... Uh, go and support uh, artists. Um, yeah, edible arts. Yeah, edible arts and Simone will be out there, hopefully with her pine cone cookies, which I amazingly had the chance to try, and they were amazing <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, she's out there in that. Yeah, she's kind of a celebrity now. She's been on TV, and uh, 
we had to beg her to come on, but it was a good time, and we'll have to get her on again when it gets close to uh, harvesting time about what she's doing because the edible arts there, too, it's the jams, mm-hmm. all these things that she's uh, making uh, like yeah. the old way, you know? And harvesting all herself, right. which is wild. It's so much work. I can't even imagine. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not as much work as you think if you've been doing it and learned how to do it. So it's more of a a lifestyle because she did say that's all she does now, right? I believe so. Yeah. Great way. That's her job and uh, she's been doing well and uh, that's great. So uh, what else is going on? I I, want to talk about this this was in the minneapolis paper and i think i sent you this Haley. uh let me see if i can find it real quick but it was in the minneapolis paper and maybe i sent it to myself let me look here where are you <laughs> Haley? there you are i didn't send it to you did i i oh, yeah. don't believe here, so. good. here it is it's uh nebraska which we have a lot of people from our uh from our family that's from nebraska um that they're digging at a native boarding school, and it continues. And archaeologists resume digging Tuesday at uh, the remote site of a former Native American boarding school in central Nebraska, searching for the remains of children who died there decades ago. You know, the search for a hidden cemetery near the, and it's a Gen- Geno uh, Indian Industrial School, gained renewed interest after the discovery of hundreds of children's remains at other uh, Native American boarding schools across the U.S. and Canada since 2021. Uh, It's just amazing that there are so many uh, boarding schools out there that have these mass graves and um, treating our, our relatives in a bad way and dying there. Um, yep. I don't know if you know this, Haley, but uh, my Gaga, which would be your great grandma, my grandma uh, Helen. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a story that she was in a uh, uh, a school, and that Howard McKee Jr., which is my great grandfather and your great great grandfather, went there and kidnapped her back. So I mean, wow. everybody. I think has- I have heard a little bit about that actually. <laughs> right. And everybody has, uh, that's Native American, has some relative that is connected to boarding schools and and things that that we don't talk about. And it's hard for our relatives to talk about. Um, yeah. yeah. And so we're still here and uh, we like to say that, you know, so I, I, great show. Um, great to hear from Governor, Governor Evers and also always great to hear from from uh dr stately so i want to just uh let everyone groove on this new uh little music i'm i'm playing here so you've been listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake we're still here we are the seventh generation and as always free leonard peltier now Thank